Hey everyone, welcome to Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health broken down in a relatable way and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and today we have celebrity personal trainer Chase Weber joining us. Hey, what's happening? All right. (laughs) We're not doing a mixtape. Chase is a personal trainer who works with everyone from David Beckham, Kendall Jenner, Naomi Campbell, Sophia Ritchie, to his most famous client of all, obviously yours truly. (laughs) (laughs) He is the creator and owner of the 333 Method, which mixes strength, power, and stability exercises, and he's the founder of the fitness events company 33 World Tour. Chase is an advocate of health and wellness education, helping to oversee corporate wellness programs and partnerings with the likes of Netflix, Nike, William Morris Endeavor, WeWork, and Beats by Dre. He is also a co-founder of the Clean CBD Muscle Recovery Cream 3 Active. Hello, Chase. How are you? What's up, beautiful? How you doing? Okay. Um, you all right? I'm fine. Chase has had some tequila. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Casa Amigos. <laughs> all right. Okay. Break it down for me, honey. What's going on? How you been? You know, I, I've been better. Yeah? How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm in the midst of a... Uh, a little transition myself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's why we're here. We're here to talk and, and talk it through. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, we can lay it all on the table. We're laying it all out on the table. And I want to start at the beginning. Oh, break it down for me, honey. Break it down. Break it down like weed in the blunt. Is this how it's going to be? I mean, Every, this is what you asked for. Okay, you signed I, up for the Chase Webber. I'm giving you the Chase Webber. I wanted the, like, more toned down version. Would you like me to talk more like this? <laughs> so I want to start at the beginning. Okay. Um, tell me about your childhood. You grew up in Texas. Yes, I uh, grew up in Dallas, Texas. Um, born and raised. Baby uh, Chase. Yeah, Baby Chase, South Dallas, Texas. Uh, grew up in Pleasant Grove. Uh, went to Ulysses Trinity High School, which is outside of the city. Uh, that's where I graduated from. Uh, after high school, I uh, received a football scholarship to Colorado State University. And from there, I graduated and went not totally on course of where I am today, but I actually um, went in the television business. So I started working for ESPN in Connecticut. Uh, I did that for about half a year and then came to L.A. I was working for Fox Sports for about four and a half years, five, well, no, about four years, four years. And, yeah, I actually won an Emmy Award working for Fox Sports, too, by the way. A lot of little, little nugget of gold nugget of information for people out there if they haven't known already, but, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Well, I, I want to 
I want to go back a few beats. Break it down. Um, your mom was a single mom, correct? Correct. And you've been open about your mom's mental health. That's right. Incredibly brave of you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, I think mental health at this particular time and juncture in, in the society we're in today, I think, is very important. And um, can you tell me more about growing up? Like, did you notice something was off? Like, I would imagine it was really difficult to not take that on as a child or think it was your fault. Well, I think, uh, you know what? I didn't notice it when I was a child. I really didn't. Um, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I, I really loved my mother. So I didn't pick up on anything. I think it was, um, you know, it wasn't until I got like, I want to say, I would say like 10 or 11 when I started to kind of notice things. Uh, my mother had got remarried, but she was never married, but she got married when I was eight. And that, that marriage lasted for about two years. And the the father that I, she had, that I, well, the stepdad, where, I, he's not around, but. Uh, Goodbye to him. Yeah, he was only there for two years. He bounced. Um, but but he would tell me, he would say to me as a child, I mean, I remember these conversations, he would say, your mother's sick. And I was, and I never understood, like, you know, like a cold sick, but mm-hmm. I never understood what he was saying. It wasn't until I got to, like, 11, 12 years old when I started to understand, like, the things that were happening, she would say stuff that never happened. Or, uh, I mean, I won't go into details, but I mean, these are the most sickest things you could say to a child. Mm-hmm. And she really believed these things were happening. Um, even when I was younger, too, now, now that I had to think back on it, I was like, I remember this instance, but it never happened. I'd be asking my mom, I never did nothing like that. So it was, uh, it was traumatizing. Until I, you know, I had to live through it. And most of the time when you're at that age, when you're in your early preteens or going into your teenage years, you go through that stage where you're in, you're getting in trouble. You kind of come become rebellious. You know, that, that, that teenager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, you're. And so nobody believes you that your mom or your parents are the ones that acting crazy they believe it's just you you're going through that stage where you're trying to act out but right i was trying to tell people like at home at where i were my coaches or my teachers no nah, man this is what's really going on but nobody really believed me well, what would she is there an example of like what she would say uh i mean it's uh it's it's deep it's really deep you know she um I mean, it's really some crazy stuff. I mean, I can't. It's hard for me to really go into that because it's very, very personal. Uh, but I can give you an instance where, you know, I'm being very candid and very open about this. But there was a time when, you know, my mother thought I was coming in the room and, and touching her in the middle of the night. Like those are the type of things she I was being told as a twelve year old. Yeah, so. I mean, it would. It made me. It was like I guess just, she was disillusioned. Yeah, and it yeah. was, and she and there's other instances where it was other occasions where she came up with other things, and you know she thought 
I was trying to mess with my grandmother and she was accusing. And it was just, I didn't understand it. I, it became to, it got to a point where I hated her because I didn't understand what was wrong with her. Well, yeah, I mean, that's totally understandable. But I didn't know, at that age, you don't know what bipolar schizophrenic is. So it wasn't until I got older that I started to understand more that because I, I, and I was hating her until I understood that it's not her that's like that, that's the, that's the illness. Right, it's so, the disease. Yeah. Talking. It's Correct. Not, it's not her, quote unquote, it's not her fault. No. No, it's not. But that's, it's amazing that you didn't take that on, that you were able to see, like, okay, this isn't her fault. Uh, At least later, well, you feel like. Yeah, I mean, you, you, until you're wearing the shoes, it's hard to put yourself and say, yeah, it's not her fault. But during them times, I hated my mother. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I right. never wanted to be around her. And she left when I was a senior in high school. Yes, can you, I know you've told me about that. You know, I, I was in and out of the house, um, Starting from like 13 years old, I was, you know, I'd be gone. I went to jail for like a year when I was uh, 13, 14, from 14 to 15. And what that, was that for? That was just, just being in the streets and making bad decisions and, you know, that was what it was. But I got, when Drugs? I got out, no, no. <laughs> Were you trying to be a, on the wire? <laughs> If you don't know what The Wire is, it's a show that me and Katie love. It's a great yeah. show. Uh, if but, you don't know what The Wire is, don't talk to us. <laughs> so you were in the streets being a prostitute? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Uh, Robbing people. Yeah, that, okay. that's closer to that. I just want people to... I think it's better you say your crime. Wait, so listen, I, just to be honest with you, we, we whipped somebody up pretty good, and they, it was a pretty serious injury, and I got a felony as a 13-year-old. So I, okay. I was charged with a felony. And, um, you know, and when you're a youth, when you get charged with a felony, you got to do something. You ain't just going to get probation. So they gave me some time, and, you know, I had to wait till I was 18 until it was expunged from my record. Okay. Well, I mean, it's sealed. It's, it's still on my record, but it's sealed. So if I became a lawyer and I needed to unseal a document. You could find it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to work on that. So my senior year, I think her, her mental illness was at an all-time high. It was just, it was very apparent because I'm older now and I'm seeing it. And my little brother and my little sister, mm-hmm. they're babies. So uh, she... Um, she moves to Seattle uh, halfway through my senior year, so I, I kind of live with friends and coaches and, and bounce house to house just to get through the year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously I have my football scholarship, so I just had to get make it there. And sports helped you cope. Well, 100%, because yeah. that was my way of not going home. So yeah, I, it was, I was just trying to keep myself busy so I could stay away from the house. I never wanted to be at the house. Don't, and do you feel like sports helped you express your feelings because you couldn't maybe say them verbally, so you did it physically? I think, I think for sure in football because there was a certain type of aggression I couldn't get out anywhere else. It's, it's a certain aggression that you have to have as a football player. Right. And that was the way I could, you know, whatever I had bottled up, I could give release it that way. 
I mean, I think that's normal for a lot of alpha male types that if they can't express themselves verbally, they can do it on the field. Right. Well, I mean, but the fucked up thing is when they can't play anymore, there's no outlet. And that's where a lot of people get in trouble. Yes, sir. I would, uh, no comment on that from me. But, okay, so she, so it, it hit a point. Right. Where I, it's my sophomore year. I get a call from the state of Connecticut. And they called me and they asked me if Sherry, Sherry was my mother. And I get a phone call and they basically told me that she had traveled on a Greyhound bus from Seattle with the kids to Connecticut. During that trip, uh, people were complaining that, that she was talking to, talking to things that weren't there. Right. And she was saying robots was chasing them and chasing them and she was on the run. And they get to Connecticut and she, they had to ask her questions, what's going on, and she started fighting the police. And she got she got charged with assaulting an officer, which, you know, that's a big deal. And she lost my little brother and my little sister, and she got committed to a mental institution. So that was wow. my... Yeah, so that was my sophomore year of college. I was there, I was 20 years old. So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that was the only per that was only... My grandmother, you know, she was super sick, so that was, like, my only immediate family that I had at that particular time. So from, like, age 20 to 22, I was just trying to get my, my brother and my sister get the custody for them, my grandmother, too. I'll take it back, exactly what I told Please you. Please take it back. <laughs> so remember I, earlier I told you that um, that when I got out of college, I was working in television. Yes. And I was working for ESPN. Well, if you know ESPN, you know where ESPN is. It's in Connecticut. Oh, I know that. So, I fucked with some people from ESPN. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how I got to see. It was the, that. That's, that's how, I got how you to, ended up at ESPN. No, that wasn't how I ended up at ESPN. But that's how I got to see them again. Because you were in Connecticut. And they were in Connecticut. And they, okay. And so that's how I saw them again. Okay. So. And your uh, mom was probably like a different. When she was a different person. She was yeah. She was a different person. So that was uh 2000 and I want to say 2008 2009, and she uh, she goes back down to Texas and uh, I'm starting my career in L.A. at this point. So I'm working for Fox Sports right. and. I get a call from my sister in 2012 saying mom's acting weird. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she's taking the medication and whatnot. And I, lo and behold, she stops taking the medication. She loses the apartment and they're living in a hotel. So, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a hotel. It was a motel. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's, it's mental illness is a, is a tough thing, man. I don't feel, you know, it's a lot of people that some people understand it, but they don't have when you're dealing with it with your immediate immediate, yeah. it's like your mom. And I mean, my mother was a single mother, so I think it's different. I think mental mental illness, wellness, all the 
things that go along with it. I don't think people understand it unless you have a firsthand experience with it. Right. You know? Right. And so you, um, so then because you grew up with your, you know, your mom who obviously was not there in so many ways. Right. Just because she couldn't be because of her disease. What, what was it like growing up as a young male in Texas without a prominent father figure? Like, how do you feel that affected your masculinity? I, I mean, it didn't mess with my masculinity. It just made me really independent. Right. It made me very independent. Like, I just, you know, you know, you can, there's people that help you. I mean, my coaches you looked out like for me. Yeah, yeah my, co- my, co- my coaches looked after me. There was a janitor by the name of Charles Clark. He used to always, you know, Shoot me a little, um, little lunch money here and there. You taking money from the janitor? No, but the Man, janitor. That's cold. Oh, I don't but, think he's making that much money. But, but if anybody knows, <laughs> nobody knows this. But <laughs> if anyone knows the janitor, by the name of Charles Clark, you may want to give him some money. That but, you no, but Charles Clark is a prominent, prominent man in the area that I went to high school. So. He's been on TV shows. He's been on everything because he's like a celebrity. He's a celebrity If, that, if that's the thing, but he's been on talk shows because he's been on uh, sixty minutes because he's been known to mentor people and you know guide young kids that that they need the help. And so he's been a prominent man in that area for a very long time. Um, and so he, you know, he looked out for me, along with the coaches. But, you know, it's, it's, a lot of the times it's just, it's about, it's about you being, looking out for yourself. At the end right, of the so you feel like all of that helped you um, sort of push you and probably light a fire under you to make something on your own and to... You know, to develop your own career. Well, it made me it made me mentally tough, like that. And, but honestly, it can honestly stuff like that can honestly make you too mentally tough too. You know, yes, it can make you too tough. And it you think that, it made you too tough? It can like because it, it, it can shut down. It, yeah, it can make you close off. It can make you close off. Right. For sure, that's something that you have to deal with, though. But you know. You have to find people that understand you, but most people will never understand your experiences. Nobody really does, but that's what makes you who you are. But it's about surrounding and put yourself around people that can get it a little bit, you know? That's a good thing that I feel like you came out of it in a... What are you doing? I'm popping my jaw. (laughs) (laughs) So you obviously felt better whenever you were being you know, physical, working in sports, in that arena. Why do you think working out and physical activity is so important to people that are depressed or struggling with their mental health? I think it's so important because if you can make yourself look good, it can obviously make you feel good, you know. And so I think it obviously, you know, everybody knows the benefits of working out, releasing endorphins and, you know, flushing toxins out of your body. But obviously, setting a routine, accomplishing some goals, and, and reaching some things, achievements are always going to boost anybody's morale. I don't care if you have issues or if you don't have issues. It's just uh, it's about 
feeling very accomplished in whatever you do. So if you go out and you work out and you get things done and you feel better afterwards, that's a win for the day, you know? Right. So it's even like you accomplishing like the three sets of squats, like right. small things. Right. Well, okay. I mean, it's like you start out with 10 push-ups. A few weeks later... I'm afraid to silence this because I don't <laughs> want it to silence our thing, but the texts are silenced. Sorry. They, That's okay. They, That'll be fixed in editing. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> Uh, the, um, you know, you start out with doing 10 push-ups. Next thing you know, you can do 25 push-ups in a row. So I think that's, um, I think it's just about setting, you know, standards and goals. And when you can achieve them, it makes you just feel better about yourself. No, I mean, I think that makes sense. I mean, it has to make sense. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, for me, like the endorphins that are released, like cannot be beat bought or found in any other way working out right on right on okay okay right on you know what I'm talking about you know we just we just laid it all on the line I don't know if somebody's out there like damn his shit was fucked up but you know what people are like wow I thought this was a funny (laughs) mental health podcast I mean it 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 is but like it's good to be real it's good to I think it's good medicine can help you know but at the end of the day you know when we talk about mental health you you can't skim through the bullshit. You can't give you the the watered down version. Like people need to understand, there's like real experiences out there. This is not the watered down version. I don't want the watered down version of anything. Exactly. So I think once people understand, they really realize and listen. Like there's listen there's there's, there's there's people out there that are really going through things, and I think they don't really get it. I agree. Yeah. So. I agree. It's so, important. How was the three 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 method um, created, or what was that exactly born out of? It's it is the trinity of mind, body, and spirit. It symbolizes <laughs> wholeness, improved quality of life, and positive energy. All right, so I'm gonna break it down. Don't yeah. hit the table because you're gonna fuck up your microphone. I'm going. I'm not gonna fuck up the microphone, you Katie. Like this, it's gonna, oh. I'm just trying to help your. All right. Your bravado, you know? My bravado. You you don't know what bravado means. Bravado. Bravado. <laughs> Is that a type of pasta? <laughs> so, contrary to popular belief. Oh. Oh, you like that? That was smooth, okay, right? That, that was smooth. The... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, three 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 was given to me by a girl named Kristen S, who's a hair stylist. Anybody know Kristen S? She's Great. You know Chris and S? No, I don't. But what do you mean this was given to you? She, was, she came up with it while I was training her. It was three movements, three sets, three times through. So is she getting a check? No, she's not okay, getting so a check. Have, let's add her to the list of the janitor of people that Chase is taking money from. You better stop. I owe you. Right, so, so I had become, you know, this trainer that everybody was training with. It was really good. I was taking off. Down. Three three three. It was three three three, and I had gotten to a point where I needed to revamp what three 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 was. So I had to kind of come up with a new way, just revamp it. So you knew me during this time, but what I did was I did some soul searching. <laughs> I know where this is going. So I I ended up. Taking a trip to Ibiza. Oh, God. I go to Ibiza, 
And I just... <laughs> why are you laughing? Because I just know where this... No, I'm sorry. Go on. So I, I do some soul searching, and I go to Ibiza, and... You were I, reborn. I was reborn. I, I popped some molly, and I danced my ass off. Started loving house music a little bit, and it was amazing. So as I'm flying back from from Ibiza, still high on the molly. Okay. <laughs> um, Probably I start, not a good idea to get on a plane on still, molly. I just want to <laughs> put that out to everybody. You never know what can happen. But, you know, I, um, I started writing down some notes, and I looked up what the, the meaning of three meant. And three means the Trinity. As can you connect all three, you become one. Okay. So it became mind, body, and spirit. And that's how I came up with three. Okay. Three, three, three. So I revamped as three as three, 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 mind, body, spirit. Very cool. Yeah. So that's how I came up with that. I was, I was high. So that's how I came up with okay. it. Okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> And so how, how is that achieved? You feel like the, that can be achieved through working out, through physical activity. Uh, you know, it's about mind, body, and spirit. Your working out is about that. You know, it's, right. it's uh, achieving things with your mind, taking care of your body, and enhancing your spirit. So mind, body, spirit. So it's, uh, it all comes together when you work out. Okay, so you stole this from a hairdresser. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then it became something from you being high in a plane. Yeah, there you go. If but you want to get the, if you want to get your baby, yeah. I'm getting, giving the Cliff Notes version. No, but, no, but that's, but I feel like the, that has really taken off. And I know that the people that I know that even do work out with you or train with you, uh, you all, you do always leave feeling better like you have a very positive energy then that's what it's all about i want you to feel like i'm a staple in your day you know like when you go to the club you're like i'm gonna go to the club well i want you to feel like you're coming to the club i'm going to see chase so so i want you to feel like you're you're in it so i think it's important to make sure that i have positive energy because people feed off of me but that's a tiring too it's hard as a trainer when you're giving a lot of energy and you're you're Always so happy, but sometimes you're going through your own shit too. But trainers, a lot of times, like myself, I talk to you about my some of my issues here and there, and you know it's about it's about a little bit of balance too. But for the most part, trainers have to be extremely positive people because they feed off of your energy. And you know, working out is redundant; it's hard to do. But if you have that energy and you're and you're you're bringing that kind of effort to the gym. People are going to enjoy being around you. So that's, uh, that's the most important thing about being a trainer. And how do you, if you're not in a great space and you have to go to work, like how do you put those feelings aside? You know, it's very hard. Yeah. It's hard because you've seen me, you've known me for a long time. You've seen me come in, you were like, oh, well, Chase. I mean, I feel like with me, you kind of, I'm getting kind of, you know. <laughs> The budget version, but yes, but you, but no, I mean, like you, how do you, what is your advice to someone if they, they're not feeling great and they have to go to a job and be positive? You got to keep, keep with your routine. 
Right. You got to push through because, I mean, it, it's so hard to pick yourself up sometimes, especially when you're just knocked out and you don't have the energy and you're just, you're hurting so much. And it's just like, and you, and some people are able to hide it very well. Some people can't. They got to wear it right on their shoulders. But, you know, I think it's just if you stick with your routine, maybe work out or just to take your mind off it for a little bit. It's, uh, there's, there's avenues you can do just to try to get away from that or whatever you're going through. And talking about it is the most important thing, just talking about it. Sometimes when you hold it in, which I'm guilty of it, um, I've been guilty of just holding it in. And I think it's important now that I've gotten a little older is to just be, be open. Real. Yeah, just be open about it and talk about it. Because if you don't, you know, you're, you're only really hurting yourself. And that's what I was talking about earlier um, with uh, being independent and being you kind of get closed off. It makes you not open up and tell people because you don't want people to judge you. So you just kind of keep it to yourself. But what it does is just manifest this energy or this thing about you that you just feel like you can't release. And, right. it, and, it, and it weighs on you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, so, and then you you probably end up releasing it on someone that you isn't care meant about. to. Yeah, yeah, isn't meant to receive it. Right, right. Um, but that's, it's, I think that's a good point about routine. Like, especially with mental health, I know that when you stick to your routine, especially with COVID and that everything is limited of what you're doing, where we're going, you know, what we're reading, what we're watching, putting in our minds to stay on a routine that you feel mentally stable with. Right. I mean, this year... Easier said than done. You're 100% because this year has been extremely tough for... It's been tough for me. I mean, and I'm I'm a mentally strong... I consider myself a mentally strong person, 100%. But this has been a very challenging year for me. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's a lot of transition for everybody. Um, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it, it's not easy. I think people just have to be very open and they have to be able to talk about it. Don't hide it, you know. Talk to a friend. Let them know what you're going through. Right. And if they don't want to listen, you probably don't need to have that friend. Yes, it's time to get rid of friends that don't want to hear what's really going on. Because it's right. not helpful. I think it actually creates more anxiety, more... Well, but to that point, I think what I was saying earlier is, you know, I think what helps me is that I need to start talking more. And that's Can you talk more about the transition you're personally going through? You, well, the, 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 no, the transition, yeah, the transition I'm personally going through is that, you know, I... um. I mean, I'm a one-on-one trainer. That's that's what people pay me for. That's the reason why they pay me good money to do that. But I don't... Gyms are closed. Right. So I'm in a transition where I have to do more things digitally. And, and I'm doing FaceTime sessions now. It's, I hate the digital. And, and I'm doing FaceTime sessions yeah. now. And I'm traveling people's houses. And it's uh, it's definitely different. It's harder for, it's harder for me. And, and I have to... Reprogram the way I think and making sure that I'm still being successful in my career. What else do you think that this past year has taught you about your own sort of mental state and mind, COVID? Patience. It's oh, taught you, me. Oh, you have patience now? I mean, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, this year taught me, a, this, re- this year honestly taught me a lot. One, 
um, I caught COVID in March, which you, I told you. I caught COVID in March when this thing first happened, and I thought I was going to die. You had a bad case. In yeah, London, I had a really right? bad, yeah, I was in London, and I was super sick. I was, I legitimately thought I was not going to make it home. And I think it just gave me some perspective. Like, I think this year gave a, not only just that with my life in general, but, I mean, the whole George Floyd thing that happened this year. Right. Um, you know, the uncertainty, everything that's going on, the presidency, it's just, I mean, it, this year has been... It doesn't you know, feel it, real almost. It doesn't almost feel yeah. real. I mean, you think about everything that happened, and it's continuing to happen. It's No, I know. And what it's was, the remix. Oh, my God. I can't. What was, because I remember seeing you during that time from six feet away. Um, but what, <laughs> as, a, as a black man, when that was happening and, and was continuing to happen, you know, throughout the summer, the aftermath of that, with George Floyd, what was that like for you? Um, I think it was very eye-opening. And, and in what, when you say I that? Think what, what, I, what I mean by that is, I think it was only because, the only, I'm going to take me 100 with you. Let me, let yeah, me, keep, let me keep it 100. You can always edit out something you don't want. I'm going to keep it 100. If people were working and people were living their day-to-day lives, that George Floyd shit wouldn't have not been a big deal. Yeah. That's the honest Don't of God truth. I agree. That's the I honest agree. of God truth. I agree. Nobody, everybody been it like, would be like, oh, some guy excuse, excuse, excuse my language, another nigga died. But that's, that's basically, yeah. nobody would have cared. They would have been like, oh, we've seen that shit before, or whatever. Yeah. As, but because everybody was at home. Yeah. Nobody had nothing to do. Everybody was on lockdown. Yep. They had time on their hands. People were like, man, that's fucked up. Right. You weren't distracted. And that's another thing that happened this year. If you had issues and you had problems. Now, you mean 2020. Yeah, 2020. 2020. Yeah, yeah. Keep saying this year. We're talking about last year. Last year, I forget. Okay. If you had issues or things that you were dealing with, you had to face them because yeah. there was no distraction. You can't go out with your friends to the bar. You can't go eat. You can't do none of That's that. That's why a lot of uh, a lot of divorces and babies and for and forced you to look right in the mirror and, and all your problems were right there in front of you. You could not run away from them. You had to deal with them. You had because you were in the house, especially if you had significant others or you were fighting something like you had an addiction to something. Like, it forced you to look at it. Maybe an addiction to porn. <laughs> and you thought to yourself, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> um, no, but, but for, no, I mean, I think that's really interesting what you say about the George Floyd and um, that the events that followed is that... Oh, I, now I'm being like you. It's like, how do you delicately say this? Yeah, that some people, that, that the majority of people... They would not have paid as much attention. They wouldn't have cared. Like, I'm just being honest. I'm being one, I'm being real with you. And I'm not saying you obviously see things different. You're a black man and feel things different than me. But I'm saying there's some people that are interested in 
that kind of stuff and, and that's something that they are fighting for or have always been advocates of, you know? And then there's other people that I think they just hopped on the train because they had nothing else to do and that was a way of them getting out their own. Right, I, I just... about COVID. And the, when you got a bunch of people with nothing to do on their hands, I mean, that was that was where everything went. So did you feel like as a black man seeing that, that took a toll on your mental health? Or you felt more like, oh, this is, no one would care about this. I didn't this think, I didn't, I, this is post, this is, I'm talking post this era, but I wasn't thinking about it like that. But, you know, I think when all that went down and all that shit happened, I think, um, you know, I think it was, I thought it was very apparent that what it did was it made white people check themselves for two seconds. And I think companies, brands, whatever, they realized they were so far behind the eight ball by the way they think. Yeah. That by the time they tried to fix it, it made them look stupid. So when when you saw the actual footage... Oh, I was fucked up. But go ahead, pretend. pretend okay, so when, when you saw the actual footage of George Floyd mm-hmm. um, and the, the officer with his knee on his neck, how, how did that affect you mentally as a black man in America? I only saw the what was going on. When you saw the news, it was just a guy. You saw the... The dude's knee on the neck. Mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, it's, it looked like a standard routine. Like, you know, they do that. Right. You know, I, I didn't think too much of it. Right. And it was all this shit coming on, phone, and then... Then I looked at the real version, the eight-minute, not the nine-minute version of it. Yeah, it's like eight minutes now, yeah. and 30 seconds. Because yeah. they were just showing the, yeah. the 20 and 30 seconds where it was the knee on the neck. Right, so how did that... When I saw the the eight minute version of it, yes, and I saw him doing that and then leaning into it even more, knowing he couldn't go nowhere, but right. leaning on him, come back, lean on him some more. It was like now I knew it was a t- that's when I got pissed off. It was like motherfucker, you know what you're doing right now. He telling you you can't breathe, man. What the fuck is you doing, man? You about to kill this man, and he. And he panicking. Like, just imagine if you're a heart... Sp- you don't even have to have a heart issue. If somebody's got their knee on their neck and you're in a position where you really can't move, somebody's got your legs, your arms are tied down, and they got the knee on your neck, you're going to panic because if you're struggling to breathe a little bit, you're going to start panicking. Right. Period. I don't... There's no way you can cut that. I don't give a fuck who you are, white or black. Okay? But him doing that... And I'm not, I'm not gonna go on a race. I'm not gonna say that. I'm, I'm not gonna say he did that because he was black. But a black man in that position in that situation, like it's automatic thought you're a criminal. I'm just I, I can't. I'm trying to put my words together and say this you the right way. You mean that it's automatic that he's gonna be a, a, he's gonna be resisting. It's just it's it's almost a trained thought. Like I'm gonna put it like this: if you walk down an alley, 
as a white person, and you walk down the alley, you see a white person, and then you see walk down the alley with down, and you see a black person. Mm-hmm. It's a little bigger than you, a black man. You're probably gonna be a little more nervous because of the stereotype. It's it's media. It's how everything is played. Everybody's got this idea of what a black man is and what a white man is. You know, you I I me when I think of a white man, just off the first thought, white man. I think of a white man in a suit. I don't. <laughs> I know what you mean. But Oops, I, I just, just said that. no. But you mean you mean that when you saw that, it's like. You could tell right away, like this guy. They were treating him like a criminal. Yeah, which he was. He was right. a criminal. But but he but but they, but they treat they your... treated him like he was a piece of shit. Like no, like an animal. They treated I mean, him like, like an, an animal. animal. Like an animal you shot and like you you and you can't you like know you, and they, and people you won, won right like a trophy. And what pissed me off even more after the fact. Is that people were trying to say he was a criminal, he deserved to die. That's that pissed ridiculous. that pissed know, me off. That pissed like, me off. He robbed a store. Like who cares? It doesn't matter. Right. Like your family members ain't fucked up. There's some fucked up people in your family too that did some dumb shit. Yeah. But like, if they'd have been in that same position, you'd have been like, that's fucked up. I mean, no so so it fucked obviously it. You see that, like I would imagine. I mean, as with anyone, like it just made you incredibly sad. But I, the, the the thing is, I've been in those shoes before. When I was younger, I remember in Texas, you it was a it's known in the hood. Anybody that's from the hood that live and listen to this, you don't ride on the car four deep mm-hmm. as black kids. You don't ride ride four deep. Mm-hmm. If you're riding four deep, you get pulled over. So it's always two, and that's it. Mm-hmm. If you ride, if you walk in a group, split it up. Don't do it together because you get everybody will get frisked. When we were walking home from school, sometimes I remember a police car just pulled over. Boom, we on the car. Everybody getting frisked, patted down for no. We kids, right? What do you think a kid gonna think after that? He gonna grow up to hate you. You know what I'm saying? There was very rare times that police officers took the time out to make friends with us. So. You grow up because they come in, they frisk, you see them, how they treat. Now, I'm not saying that all police police officers are criminals. I mean, criminals are, are bad people. But when all you see them is fuck with the people that you know, put the people you know in jail, uh, frisk you time to time for no reason, just walking down the street. That's like a, somebody that kept, keeps fucking with you. Yeah, even if, as an adult, break. yeah, as an adult, even if somebody keeps fucking with you, you you're like, man, fuck that, fuck that person. No, absolutely, I would see that with my ex, like you, the police. It's a totally different thing. But I, you know, but I you can't... get don't you think that? I would think people. You feel so beaten down that it's like, here we go again. What well, listen. I'm not gonna make no excuses. There's some is is people that get into some dumb shit. Black people, white people, it's not really so much a race thing sometimes. I mean, I think race is a little over over uh, you know utilized in certain situations as a scapegoat. Um the George Floyd thing, 
I can't say, I'm not, I don't want to dive into it. I can't say that it was complete racism that they, he was doing. I can't completely say that. But, you know, I think because it was a black man and because it happens to us all the time, black people got fucking fed up because right. we had time on our hands to say we got time to really say what the fuck we need to say. We got time now. And we don't got to go to work. We ain't got to worry about that. Fuck that. We're going to make a statement right now because it's some bullshit because it happens to us all more times than not. And it happens to white people, too. It happens to brown people. There's not just one race that this thing happens to. I don't think to. this happens to white people that much. I, I mean, no. It, I hear I mean, what you're saying. Yeah, but it... But so white, you feel like things are changing for... Do you think anything will have changed from this, no. the summer of 2020? No. No, I don't. The only thing that changed was that people got cameras and they're catching everything. Yeah. And were they on your ass? Like, you can't do anything now without somebody pulling out their phone. I agree. You pull out their phone, it may, it, it makes, you can't, the police officers that are in the game or whatever's going on, they can't run or get into some shit or do something that's illegal or do some mischief without having, yeah, something shady without that phone being on you. So I think it's put a lot of people in check. What do you want, Tinder? No, I'm waiting for the okay. next Okay, so here's, so, adjustment, here's another thing. Um, so now that you have, it seems like you've learned a lot in 2020 and are making some transitions, what, what do you have planned for 2021? Just for you, your... I think for 2021, I think, um, you know, honestly, there is no plan for 2021. I'll be honest with you. Okay. I think 2021 is a plan for you to go with the flow. I think 2020, people, people didn't, people, everybody's plan got fucked up. I think You for, know what they say, you want to hear God laugh, tell them your plans. I, that's what I'm saying. And that's what it made me realize was you could plan this shit out exactly how you want it to go. It never really goes that way. So what I said to myself was, I'm going to let my shit flow as it is. There's some things, there's some points that I want to to hit on and tap into. What are those? Besides tapping ass. <laughs> Won't be doing much of that these days, but hopefully. Oh, here we go. Get out the violins. Oh, stop. Um, my uh, podcast show. Which I'll be starting this year. I can't. Stop trying to get... I'm trying to compete with Katie, y'all. Stop I'm trying, trying to... to I'm, you better better get off my bumper. Get off win. my bumper. You can't even plug a mic in. Okay, anyway, go on. That, I'm going to do more digital stuff where people can find me and have another stream of income, which I think is important. A lot of people are looking for those outlets. I've been had, been getting knocked... My doors been getting knocked on um, that and then I think for me is just understanding more of what I want to do with making money okay. in the stock market. I think there's a time now where there's some things that are coming up, especially now that Biden's coming in, and there's some things that I'm looking at. And I think green greenhouse uh, uh, biodegradable everything that's uh, green 
is a avenue of, for people to make some money right now. Especially if you're a weed person. Green is in money? <laughs> weed, <laughs> greens, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, kale? <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin? No, what? no, no. But I'm, not, just I'm just kidding. <laughs> but just going right. green, aluminum, um, things that are. Um, all right. That are for the earth. I'm, I'm going to cut you off there. Okay, so <laughs> um, the other thing that people want to know is how we met. How we met. Oh, here we go. Down memory lane. Katie wrote, on my, wrote me on Instagram asking for a trainer, so I came and trained her here at her house. That's, that is not a great story. That's how we met. What are no, you talking about? Tell you how, how oh, my happened. God. Okay. I wanted to box, and I had seen, I think it was on Birdie. Birdie. Yeah, you had some article, or someone was boxing with you, and I was like, okay, this guy looks like he'd be, like, fun and not a boring workout. Right. He came here to work out, right? We worked out for a few months. Cut to Chase uh, (laughs) was in between apartments and came here with a huge duffel bag. I could see on my (laughs) camera. And hit it down by the tree, came up and said, Do you mind if I stay here for a few weeks? That's not how that went. Oh, You're lying. Oh, okay. <laughs> Next thing I knew, I had a roommate I never asked for. I never put an ad on Craigslist. Is she lying? So, that's the story of our. Uh, that's a. That's probably a, a lie. Uh, find the court documents. They are there ain't not. Seen. no court documents. Roll the footage. All right. Are we ready for your... Here's our five questions. All right. Here's our five questions. What do you do for a mental break? What do I do for a mental break? Um, Travel. Okay. Travel. I travel. Where did you last go? Cabo and Tulum. Okay. I guess you can't go many places right now. You can't go many places. But I did go to Turkey in August. Okay. You can go to Turkey right now. How was that? Turkey is amazing. It's beautiful. Okay. Bodrum is amazing. Where? Bodrum. Okay. Bodrum, Turkey. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. Bodrum. Um, when is the last time you cried? Last time I cried? Internally or externally? No, like. Like tears. Um. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, Don't lie. It's been some years, honestly. I think it's been some years. Okay. I think it's been some years. I think I was thinking about something that happened in my past, and I was just, I just kind of just gave it. That's when last time I cried. Okay. What are you currently reading? Reading. Um, I read actually read every day. I don't read a book per se. Right, but what do you like to read? I honestly like reading about the stock market and reading company, reading about companies and learning how they how they got started. I like to read a lot of that stuff. Okay. Yeah, I love reading. It's just very intriguing to me. I like to understand 
how the money works and what the how, what their investment was and how they made where they're at and how is it accumulating more money and who how they're raising money how they're getting injections the whole deal. so it's just for me I'm just trying to learn my more more of a business acumen so that I like reading stuff like that. Okay. What is the best and worst advice you've been given? Best and worst yeah. advice. Worst advice I've ever gotten was from Katie and I. No, no, the worst advice I've gotten is probably uh, not to become a trainer. Okay. Sometimes the, the worst advice can be the best yeah, advice. Yeah, the worst advice was not to be a trainer. And the best advice I've gotten is to do it your way. Don't worry about what everybody else. Just do what you do. And why do you think someone was saying don't become a trainer? Because at the time they wanted me to, the illusion of me being a producer in television was more alluring to them as me being that instead of being a trainer. They didn't want to date a trainer. They wanted, it sounded better. Say that again because of that. So why do you think that person said that to you? It sounded better because I was a producer at the time, mm-hmm. and I was dating them, and it didn't sound good as me working as a trainer at 24-Hour Fitness, you know, so right. it was like a belittlement moment. Well, fuck her. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that was the truth. Okay, and what Instagram account do you find uplifting besides my own? <laughs> uh, cinnamon. <laughs> um... I like. You know, like social media can be such a mind fucking so sorry. You know, you know, there, there, there's this one account, and it's not even like, <laughs> it's not even motivational quotes. He just makes me laugh, okay. and his his name is uh, uh, still uh, trails uh, trills. I don't remember the name. Rail trills still the realest. It's like okay. something like that, and he just talks about the most. Random hood ghetto things, but it's so accurate. So let me, I'll give you an example. I'll look them up right okay. now. Okay, look it up and we'll, we'll also put it on the website. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very funny. He just has quotes that, I don't know, it just, he resonates with me as a person because it makes sense. Um, his name is Rails, R E L L, still the realist. Okay. D the realist. D A realist. But he'll say, um, you know, he'll have something like uh let's see. Something like everyone's everyone a stoner now, but when I was blowing in the seventh grade, I was a bad influence. So it's a little stuff like that. that. That's not funny. That, but... nah, Will you get off my bubble? Okay, well, if people want to follow him, that's where he, that's where his account is. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. You this got it, Puddin. <laughs> you got it, Puddin. Don't worry, I got you. You got it, Puddin. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, shouts out to Chase Weber for joining me. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. We're so thrilled to have you. Chase, where can our listeners find you? OnlyFans or...
Only fans, you know, I'm shaking my ass for cash there, too. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, obviously, you can find me as, at my Instagram handle, Chase, the letter N, fitness. Um, and I will be coming out with digital content, and then I'll have my also my podcast, too. Okay, can um, you please stop promoting that? I'll stop podcast. I'll stop doing it. Um, but you, obviously, you can find me on my Instagram, Chase, the letter N, fitness. And um, that's how you can find me. And if you need any questions on your health and wellness, give me a ring. Okay, that's all, folks. Be sure to subscribe to Ben Better HBU. We can be found on Apple and Spotify. And tune in next time. Bye. Bye, y'all. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Ben Better. How about you? To learn more, please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our Instagram, bbhbu. Slide into our DMs with your questions and comments. Also, be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription. This pharmacy is open 24-7.